welcome back everyone have a great episode planned for you here guy for you today uh finishing up on the week six action coming off of the monday night football game we're going to get to our favorite storylines uh we'll as always name our Jameis winston unlikely hero of the week make our week seven picks and then also finish it up with some pretender contenders in the nfl with the guys at the top of the divisions in the nfc and the afc so make sure you follow along throughout the whole entire show hit subscribe and let's jump right into it leading off with our favorite storylines from week six in the nfl is going to be number one the arizona cardinals continue to dominate the nfl as this week they rolled over the Cleveland Browns 37-14, to shutting out the Cleveland Browns in the second half. Uh, Baker Mayfield did suffer a shoulder injury. He had a partially torn labrum, I believe, coming into this game, and he looks like he may have aggravated it, and he's due up for an MRI as of Monday night here. But just in all assets or facets of the game, the Arizona Cardinals just dominated this one. Uh, they had... Just about even passing yards of the Cleveland Browns at 208. Browns had 217. They outrushed them, almost doubling their total for 144 yards. And when we take a look at the turnover battle, they were plus three and the Browns are minus three. So essentially they had no turnovers. The Cleveland Browns had two fumbles lost and an interception. And when you also take a look at their third down efficiency, this is where the tail of the tape really comes to show. The Arizona Cardinals were 8 for 15, that's just over 50%, and the Cleveland Browns are 3 for 10, that's 30%. So Cleveland Browns weren't being able to stay on the field on offense, and even when they were, they were turning the ball over. And Arizona really made the most of those opportunities. Uh, they, they get a big-time win here. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are very well uh, believed to be winning the AFC North this year when you asked everybody ahead of the season. And now when you take a look at it, Kyler Murray just... He's just taking his game to a whole other level. He's actually one of the MVP favorites currently. I think he's got like top three odds right now out there, uh, courtesy betonline.ag. But uh, really, the Cardinals just win all over the place. They had one of the best offenses in the league with a ton of weapons. They're able to spread the ball around and rush the ball with James Conner and Chase Edmonds, kind of like a thunder-lightning duo back there. And then also they're able to sling the ball around to multiple different receivers with A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore, and now they got Zach Ertz coming in via trade from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I just think this team's super exciting on offense. And really where they're most improved this year is going to be their defense. Uh, J.J. Watt was a huge addition uh, opposite of Chandler Jones. And Marcus Golds, or Golden has been playing very solid. Isaiah Simmons is looking solid in his second year. Zayvon Collins really showing out. I think that when you take a look, Vance Joseph has this defense firing on all cylinders. And really, what's even more impressive to me about this win is like half of the coaching staff for the Arizona Cardinals is out. And they're still able to get to go away with this just huge win against the Cleveland Browns. I just I couldn't believe it as I was watching it. And I'm even more impressed the next day looking back at it. In other surprising storylines from the weekend, coming at number two here is going to be the Baltimore Ravens winning at the Los Angeles Chargers 34-6. to So the Ravens end up getting a huge blowout win over the Chargers who had been climbing up power rankings all across the league after beating the Kansas City Chiefs and having a couple convincing wins in the last few weeks. And the Ravens just come out and just completely dominate the game. 
Uh, they didn't even hardly have to throw the ball. I think Lamar only ended up with like about 160 yards passing and he ended up actually having two picks early on. But when you take a look at it, they just absolutely mauled them in the ground game. They outrushed the Chargers 187 to 26. And they even lost the turnover battle in this one, which is impressive. But really, I think the name of the game here is they just controlled the clock. When you look at time of possession, they ended up with 17 more minutes of time of possession. So the Chargers hardly had the ball as much as the excuse me, Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens really exposed them on the ground being able to control that clock. So the Ravens just get a huge win here. Uh, really, honestly, if you would have asked anybody after all those injuries occurred in the preseason, do you think the Baltimore Ravens would be 5-1 and one heading into Week 7? And my guess is you're not going to hear a lot of yeses on that one. So the fact that Lamar Jackson has these guys playing like this, there, there's no doubt in my mind he has to be considered for a second MVP award here. Really, in my mind, it's down to him and Kyler Murray through six weeks. And Lamar Jackson has a very legitimate case. He was without Rashad Bateman until this week. Sammy Watkins has been in and out of the lineup. So really, he's only throwing it to Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. And when you take a look at it, he's like, I keep seeing all these graphics that he's like top 18 in the league for total offense, not as a player, but as a whole entire team. So if you just took Lamar Jackson's entire offense between passing and rushing, and compared it to some teams, he's beaten like almost half the league, which is just, it's absolutely crazy to think. But like, after you watch that game last week against the Colts, where he just single-handedly puts the team on his back and carries them back in the second half, and then they go, and they don't even need him to have a performance like that, and they just still control the game this week, it just with the threat of him running the ball and being this dynamic playmaker. Uh, no doubt in my mind, he deserves MVP consideration. And really this week, he went out there and did it again. So, Baltimore Ravens look extremely impressive through week six weeks and continue to roll. For our third storyline from week six that is the top of our chart, so third best, is going to be Green Bay Packers owning the Chicago Bears. And honestly, this one wasn't near as close as the score suggested. The Packers ended up winning 24-14 to at Soldier Field. But really, they were kind of in control the entire game. They were able to kind of control the clock. I believe their time of possession, yeah, ended up being five minutes more than the Chicago Bears. They didn't turn the ball over, which really helped. And compared to the Bears turning it over once, they had a pick. And really, both teams did execute on third down. The Packers were two for eight. Bears were four or 11. And they outgained the Bears. So in that regard... It looks like they dominate a little bit more, but really it was just a back and forth punch, and it just didn't. It never seemed like it got out of hand for the Green Bay Packers. And as you look, like the Green Bay Packers almost have like no defense left here. They're playing without Jair Alexander. They're playing without Kevin King. Darnell Savage goes down with an injury. Zadarius Smith is out, and I, I believe Kenny Clark was hobbled at one point in this game too. And so it's just like they're like on their last leg here on defense. So you're thinking if Justin Fields is going to put it together, this has got to be the week, right? And honestly, Khalil Herbert looked pretty solid. He had 19 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. But Justin Fields, and don't get me wrong, this isn't me saying that Justin Fields is not going to be a good football player. This is me saying that Justin Fields isn't a good football player right now. I don't think your ceiling as a football team is that much higher with Justin Fields as it is with Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton, in my mind, is the safer play. He's not going to make the crazy mistakes. 
He's going to keep you in every game. Justin Fields is going to be able to make the riskier plays, make the more difficult throws, and push the ball down the field. But you're going to get some of the boneheaded plays. Like, there was, like, three times in this game where he just, like, lobs it up in the end zone, and, like, there's nobody there besides the Packers defender, and one of them ended up being a pick. Two of them very well could have been. So, like I said, he... I'm not saying he's not going to get there. I actually believe he's going to get there, and it makes me nervous as a Packers fan. I just think that we all need to just taper down the expectations and just give this guy a break, let him learn the offense. And honestly, like, I just think you just roll with the guy the rest of your like they're going to because what do you have to lose? This team isn't very good. Like, the defense is just barely keeping him in. The defense had a phenomenal game plan for Aaron Rodgers off the bat. They just couldn't get anything rolling on offense other than Khalil Herbert. So... I think it's more about what the Bears didn't do than what the Packers did do. And Aaron Rodgers just played an efficient game like he always does. Ends up 17 for 23, 195 yards and two touchdowns. As opposed to seven carries and 19 yards on the ground. And then the dynamic duo of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for about 140 yards almost. So the Packers continue to roll. Aaron Rodgers looks just as good as he ever has. And the Bears are kind of still floundering as uh, Matt Nagy, we're not sure what his future is going to look like here, him and Ryan Pace. So our fourth storyline from this past week here is going to be the Monday night shootout between the Titans and the Buffalo Bills. And really, honestly, I was surprised by the outcome on this one just because I thought Buffalo Bills were clearing away the better team, but... The Titans outlast them, end up getting the win 34-31. to I mean, take a look at the box score. Really, the Buffalo Bills won in pretty much every every stat, whether it was yards on offense, uh, time of possession, uh, even, like, I believe third down efficiency. They were a little bit more efficient than the Titans as well, too. But the one thing that they did lose is going to be the turnover battle. They both threw a pick, but the Bills also had a fumble lost. So you can see that they're going to be minus one there. And really, when it comes down to it, a game that that, that was this tight, uh, that could be all the difference. Like they say, it's a game of inches, and you know, having a lost fumble there is going to be more than just an inch. So really, the Bills get kind of upset here on Monday night. Honestly, it kind of looked like they were controlling the whole game when you were watching, and it just was a matter of who ended up getting the ball last there at the end. And hold, teams held each other to a couple key field goals in the second half as well, too. But uh, tip of the cap to Derrick Henry, really just being an absolute machine. Everybody knows he's getting the ball on every single play. And the guy just continues to just be astounding as a running back in the NFL. He's an absolute workhorse. He's getting 30 carries probably a game. And he's still scoring three touchdowns and getting about 150 yards every week. Uh, Buffalo Bills, I believe, had a, a big-time streak going, too. It was over a year long of not allowing a 100-yard rusher, and obviously that was broken last night. So uh, tip of the cap to the Tennessee Titans, really getting a good win here, real good quality win, and showing that they, they should be the, the leader in the clubhouse there in the AFC South. And the Bills, uh, not too worried there for their offense. Their offense is still pretty dynamic. Josh Allen's still able to, to wheel and deal. He had over 300 yards passing. But really, the more the concern is on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they'd be getting a ton of recognition as one of the best defenses in the league. And if they want to be able to make a run at it, they're going to have to do a lot better than giving up 34 points to the Tennessee Titans. So that's going to be our fourth storyline. So for the upset pick that we actually ended up getting right this last week and comes in in our fifth storyline is going to be 
the Jacksonville Jaguars outlasting the Miami Dolphins as they won excuse me, one in London, 23 to 20. And I'm looking at the box score and I just don't understand how Jacksonville won this game. Miami has more yards of offense. So they all gained them on passing yards. They had seven less rushing yards, but essentially they had just about the same yards per play. Uh, the turnover battle was even, it was zero. And then they were actually, the Jacksonville was worse on third down than the Miami Dolphins were. They were slightly better on fourth down, two for three compared to one for two. But it, they were so even. You could almost just drive a line right down the middle here for both of these teams. It's basically just whoever had the ball last. And that just happened to be the Jacksonville Jaguars kicking a long field goal to win it. But really, I think what the bigger storyline is here than the win is the Jacksonville Jaguars really needed this. Like the whole Urban Meyer thing this whole last couple weeks and, like, this fiasco about judging him at his character and not as a football coach and all this cloud around him. Is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? He just needed to get this monkey off his back. He needed to get a win, and they finally do it. And how crazy is it? The team that's always been rumored to move to London gets their first win in London. So the crazy – well, I shouldn't say the crazy thing is, is the the weirdest thing is that they're one in five – yeah, one and five. And if the Tennessee Titans lose tonight and go three and three, they're two games out of first place for this division lead. The AFC South is terrible. I called it before the year even started. I had the Colts winning the AFC South going eight and nine. And it looks like that might not be that crazy. Like this division is awful. And the Jags are still definitely in the thick of it here at one and five. So for this week's uh, Jameis Winston Unlikely Hero of the Week, we kind of went a different direction here. And uh, we didn't pick a player. We picked a coach. And I went with uh, Rich Bisaccia of the Las Vegas Raiders. And basically with their win here over the Denver Broncos this week. And don't worry, I had to Google the pronunciation on Bisaccia. But really, I I'm going to roll with Rich Bisaccia because he's in his 38th season as an NFL coach. And really, or excuse me, he's 38 season as a coach. And this guy has never been a head coach. And he's a special teams coordinator. So you hear it all the time on these NFL shows about guys saying that the NFL uh, special teams coordinator works with every single player on the roster. And really, he's able to rally the troops from this absolute firestorm of allegations that came up with John Gruden and made the, the Las Vegas Raiders look a little bit silly these last week and a half. And really, it should be downright embarrassing for them. And they he's able to rally the troops and get these guys to show up for work on Sunday against a tough Denver Broncos team in defense. And they get a pretty convincing win here, 34-24. to 24. So in my opinion, that I think that earns a guy like Rich Bisaccia, who's never been an NFL head coach, getting his first win here in unlikely fashion for a team that expectations were at an all-time low. So he's going to be our selection for the Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston unlikely hero of the week, Rich Bisaccia. So rolling right into our picks for week seven. And honestly, we had a pretty good week uh, six again. We're back right on the winning track here. And we ended up going 10 and four. So just a boat match in week five uh, with the buys that ended up only being 14 games. So 10 and four, pretty solid for us this last week. And rolling right into our picks for this upcoming week, 
we get Thursday night football. And it's going to be the Denver Broncos at the Cleveland Browns. And really, I don't know where to go with this game because if Baker Mayfield doesn't play and they end up playing Case Keenum, I'm almost 100% sure going to roll with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are a complete disarray. They couldn't beat a reeling uh, Las Vegas Raiders team as we just previously discussed. So what are the, what's going to happen here on a short week? Uh, in my opinion, what I think I'm going to roll with, the entire running back room might be out for the Cleveland Browns. Demetric Felton might be the guy that moving forward for this week. And Baker Mayfield being out, that's a huge part of their offense. So I'm going to roll with the Denver Broncos. I think they finally get it right here against a couple of backups with the Cleveland Browns. Rolling into Sunday, we're going to get the Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans. And the Chiefs had a, a huge get-right win. And honestly, it was a really ugly one. They, I think Patrick Mahomes threw like three picks against the Redskins, or excuse me, Redskins, the football team this last week. And this they're going to get the, the Tennessee Titans coming off a tough loss on Monday Night Football in a short week. So I'm going to roll with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're finally going to start getting rolling here. Their offense is going to be able to just do whatever they want against this Tennessee defense, just like the Bills did on Monday Night Football. So Chiefs uh, winning at the Tennessee Titans. Then next up, we're going to get the Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers seem to be firing on all cylinders after they kind of had a hiccup in that week one game against the Saints. They're almost like an impenetrable force at this point. They they don't get a lot of national media love, but they definitely do get some on our show here. So I'm going to roll with the Green Bay Packers over the Washington football team. I think the Heineke allure is finally starting to wear off. And I, I actually heard a couple of echoes on uh, social media here this week looking for some Kyle Allen love in Washington, which is pretty crazy to me. But uh, nonetheless, the Packers are going to get this one at home. Next up is going to be the Bengals at the Ravens. And I think if you would have asked me in the preseason if Bengals-Ravens was going to be a, a must-watch game for you midway through the year, and I would have called you a liar. But here we are, uh, Ravens at 5-1, and one, Bengals at 4-2. and two. Uh, I believe the winner would be the lead, new leader in the division if the Bengals win. Uh, Ravens can get a game ahead of them here if they do and actually be two games ahead. So big game for them this week. I'm going to go with the home team. I just, it's so hard to see the Ravens losing right now. Like last week was the one that I thought they were going to lose against the Chargers and like just completely dominating fashion, just beat them by 27 points. So I think the Bengals are going to have a much more difficult time with Wink Martindale's defense, uh, sending a ton of pressure their way to try to keep Joe Burrow upright long enough. And I just, I don't see an answer for them. I I heard, or I didn't hear, but I, Kansas, excuse me, Kansas City. I'm all over the place here. Cincinnati Bengals have a top 10 defense, and I'm not buying that right now. I don't know if they have an answer for Lamar Jackson. Who do you spy him with? I don't see anybody on that defense that is athletic enough that can stay in the box at this guy without bringing a DB down or safety. So Baltimore Ravens over the Cincinnati Bengals. The next matchup is going to be two teams that have really started to fall off as of late and really could use a win coming up here. It's going to be the Carolina Panthers at the New York Giants. And really, the Panthers lost a heartbreaker in OT to the Vikings. And they they really mounted a pretty impressive comeback there at the end of the fourth quarter, converting two fourth downs. But the Giants are also reeling with uh, having a couple of tough losses back-to-back here. And Daniel Jones has been nicked up. He's He was in concussion protocol last week, ended up clearing and playing this week. And then 
their entire wide receiver room seems like it's been hurt all year. So the, their offense is really starting to lag behind. We don't got to mention Saquon Barkley being out as well, too. But I'm going to roll with the Carolina Panthers here. I think that they're not quite as good as we thought they were at the beginning of the season. But really, when you take a look at it, I think that this is a this is a team that they should beat as long as you don't get a, a ton of uh, costly turnovers from Darnold. So Carolina Panthers get back on their w- winning track here next Sunday. The next game on the on the schedule here is going to be the Atlanta Falcons at the Miami Dolphins. And this might be one of the most unwatchable games this week. I know we talk about it each week. There's always got to be one. And it seems like the Falcons are always in it. But <laughs> the Dolphins just absolutely laid a stinker in London this last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Falcons just haven't looked very good all year. And honestly, in my opinion, they have the worst defense in the NFL even though Miami Dolphins statistically are up there as well, too, as one of the worst. But I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. I just I can't see with their defense even playing average and their offense being able to just move the ball slightly against this defense. I can't I can't see it working in uh <laughs> excuse me, the Atlanta's favor. So I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. They're gonna get a win here and get back on track. The next game is going to be the New York Jets against the division rival New England Patriots at Foxborough. And this last week, Patriots lost a thriller to the Dallas Cowboys in overtime and really uh, (laughs) had me bite my nails there for a while because I ended up picking the Dallas Cowboys over them. I thought it was going to be not necessarily a runaway, but I thought it was going to be a little more convincing. But I think the Patriots are finally going to get back on the board here. I think... They've had a ton of close games against a ton of tough teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, all division leaders. And I think they're finally going to get a game that is definitely winnable for them. And they're going to get after Zach Wilson, especially at home there in Foxborough. I'm picking the Patriots. Right into the next game is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Las Vegas Raiders. And I know the the Raiders caught lightning in a bottle here with the, this this coaching maneuver, but I I just can't see it keeping up. The only thing they have working for them is <laughs> this Eagles team is not good. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. Their offense is struggling to move the ball. Jalen Hurts looks brilliant at times and awful at others. And I, I'm not exactly sure what to do about it. So I, I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders mainly because they have more stability under center. So... I'm going Raiders over Eagles in what probably is going to be a huge shootout. That brings us right into the Matthew Stafford Bowl where we get the Detroit Lions are traveling to the Los Angeles Rams. And really, the Detroit Lions just keep on finding ways to lose games. For a couple weeks there, it was by just last-minute field goals or last-second field goals. And this one, it's absolute blowout to the Cincinnati Bengals. So a lot of people were kind of picking them as being their like underdog darling to kind of cover the spread or if not win the game outright last week and they would just get absolutely blown the brakes blown off of them by about 20 some points and it, it it's not getting easier this week this this Rams team is much more daunting than that Cincinnati Bengals team was and correct me if I'm wrong here actually no they weren't coming off a bye but really this Sean McVay is going to own these guys. I don't see any way that Detroit's even able to hang around in this one. 
uh, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford facing off against their former team, so they're going to want to bring it. But I just don't know what Detroit's going to bring. They have no firepower to come at this defense, and their defense can't slow this offense down, in my opinion. It's going to be a route, and the Rams are going to win big. For the last afternoon game, it's going to be, or excuse me, the second to last afternoon game, it's going to be the Chicago Bears at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Chicago Bears lost a tough one to the Green Bay Packers. And coming off a little mini buy here, the Buccaneers are going to get a home game against the Bears. And I just, going back to it, there's there's not a lot of underdog love here, in my opinion. I think the Buccaneers are going to run away with this one, too. They're going to be able to own the, the rookie quarterback battle here. They're getting a home game. Uh, they're getting a little mini buy. They're going to have a ton of time for to excuse me prepare. And I just... Like I said in the in the in the earlier segment, I just don't see Justin Fields as being this huge big play, uh, big time quarterback yet. I'd like he's ascending, he's growing, he's he's working on getting there. He's just not there yet. So I don't think they got enough firepower in this game. Uh, their defense is still playing good, uh, a little bit better than Tampa Bay's, but I just think Tampa Bay's offense is just way too good and way too ready compared to other teams at this point. Which leads us to our last afternoon matchup. It's going to be the Houston Texans at the Arizona Cardinals. And when I take a look at this game, I'm seeing another blowout city here. Uh, the Cardinals are an absolute freight train running across the tracks. And no team really has an answer to stop them at this point. So... I'm rolling with them over the Houston Texans, and it's probably going to be a lot of points, by a lot of points, especially if Tyrod Taylor continues to not play. And for our last Sunday game, it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are coming off a bye. The Colts are coming off a huge dub over the Houston Texans that they needed. And... Honestly, it's, I think this is going to be a showdown of the run games. Jonathan Taylor had a huge game last week. Uh, we all know Kyle Shanahan might be the, be the best run game coordinator in the entire league. Uh, they, interesting enough, they, don't, they choose not to use their higher draft pick and Trey Sermon and choose to use the later one in Elijah Mitchell. But it's very clear that he's got a niche carved out on this team. And... I'm going to roll with the 49ers here. I'm going to take them over the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to take the home team just because I like that they have the bye week to prepare. And honestly, I'm not a huge believer in Carson Wentz. Uh, I, I just I think he's too injury prone. I think he's too mistake prone. And I think this Colts team's really going to struggle to, to keep going on the right track here. So 49ers over the Colts at home. And the last matchup is going to be the Monday night game. And it's going to be the Saints at the Seahawks. And Geno Smith put up a, a valiant effort this past week, uh, relieving Russell Wilson as he's going to be out for a few weeks with a finger surgery. But really, when I look at this, it's not it's not about the uh, the Seahawks. I just think the Saints are just a much better football team. They're much better coached at this point. And I honestly might even pick the Saints, even if Russell Wilson was playing. But now that he's not, it just makes it even more convincing and they're coming off a of bye week, so they're going to get some extra time to prepare. And I just think Sean Payton's going to have these boys ready to play on Monday night. So Saints over the Seahawks. So that's going to be it for our picks. Uh, like always, we're, we're going to probably parlay some of these and see how that goes. This last week, uh, we ended up hitting on one of them. 
and miss it on the other. But uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your picks. Uh, make sure you subscribe and keep along with our picks because we're on pr a pretty big hot streak. Uh, only one time we've even come close to hitting 500. Every time it's uh, single-digit losses. So make sure you tune in for that each week. So for our extra segment this week, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to do like a, a not even a midway checkpoint here, but I'm going to call it a contender and pretender segment where we're going to run through the top five teams in each division or excuse me, in each conference and just determine whether or not they're they're pretenders or contenders or if we just don't know at this point. But the main main thing is going to be here. Hey, are you a, a true contender for the Super Bowl or are you a true pretender and you're not going to be in the Super Bowl based on how you've played so far this year? And leading us off here, it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals, the the huge surprise team in the NFC this year. Uh, they're currently still undefeated, six and zero. And when we take a look at their stats, they're currently fourth in scoring offense, seventh in yardage gain, and third in turnovers allowed. And when we flip the script on the other side of the ball, they're second in scoring defense, tenth in yards allowed. And when we take a look at the turnovers, they're third on defense as well. So, in my opinion, uh, this is. A for sure fire contender here uh they've added a ton of guys on that defensive side of the ball that have been just super impact with Chandler Jones coming back he's able to rush the passer at an elite level like a first team all pro kind of guy and then you also add J.J. Watt in there coming over via free agency and he looks like his old self he's able to really put some pressure on uh, opposing offenses in addition to Isaiah Simmons really getting a full year in this system and really showing out and being a dynamic playmaker that we've seen at Clemson. And then Zayvon Collins coming over, being an impact rookie in the middle as well, too, pairing well with him. And Marcus Golson, or excuse me, I keep saying Golson, but it's Golden. Marcus Golden, he's also, he's shown a capable uh, secondary rusher there on the opposite side from Chandler Jones. And really the main reason I'm going to talk about him is be the defense is because we all know what this offense was. It was going to be this dynamic uh, 10 personnel with four receivers uh, offense that spreads the field and really puts a stress on defenses. And we all knew it was going to be like that and having the explosive running back in the backfield, Chase Edmonds. But the defense was always the question, especially with Pat Pete getting shipped out and Malcolm Butler calling it quits before the season even started. And honestly, uh, with how this team has performed, and as long as Kyler Murray just continues to take care of the ball and be just this next-level dynamic playmaker that is really the only guy even comparable to Lamar Jackson in the league, this Arizona Cardinals team is a surefire contender. And... I'm convinced that this is going to be sustainable, especially as they've beaten some very quality teams, in my opinion. So Arizona Cardinals, chalk it up as a contender. Next in the standing column here uh, for the Contenders Pretender Series is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the NFC side of the ball. And when we take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're 5-1, and one, and they, they just seem like they've been rolling on all cylinders since about January of last year. But for 2021, they currently have the third-ranked offense in both scoring and yardage, and they're 10th in turnovers allowed. While on the flip side on defense, they're 16th in scoring and 9th in yardage allowed and 7th in turnovers. And really, the main issue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is really the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. If you take a look at their injury report as it stands, they got guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, they got Jamel Dean. Uh, I know Richard Sherman's now shooken up. Uh, even Levante David's out as well, too. Antoine Winfield's currently out. 
they, they just have a ton of dudes that on the defense side of ball that are expected to be quality players currently nicked up a little bit and they're missing some time. So I think the the concern on the defensive side of the ball hopefully is going to be remedied uh, remedied here soon. But the offense is just an absolute juggernaut in my opinion. Tom Brady looks like he's like twenty seven to thirty years old again, and like the dude is just chucking it. He's not affected by pressure at all. He's able to slide away from it. He's never been this huge mobile person, and obviously we all know that. But he just his ability to avoid the rush and just survey the field. He's just he's making it look surgical almost. And I mean, as he as long as they this offense keeps rolling at this level, it just seems like they can do whatever they want whenever they want. They're gonna be a contender, uh, regardless of how the defense is playing. The defense is concerning enough at this point where it could knock them out of a contender status. But really, when you look at the bigger picture here, with all the injuries they've had, I mean, like I said, you have Richard Sherman coming off the street, starting a game four days later, like that's never gonna end well. So. I think if they can get a little bit more healthy on that side of the ball, get some of these guys back, I think you'd start seeing those numbers start flipping the other way and they can go back to the the dominant defense they were in that playoff run last year. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers, still a contender. The third place team in the NFC is going to be the Green Bay Packers, currently sitting at 5-1. and one. And honestly, this is my Super Bowl pick in the preseason. Uh, I, I still stand by it. I still think they got a shot here. So not to spoil my my contender part here, but if we take a look at their stats, they're going to be 23rd in yards on offense, and then they're going to be 15th in scoring. And then you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. They're 5th in yardage and 13th in scoring. And for turnovers, they're 3rd on offense and 7th on defense. So you can see that just overall-wise, scoring and yardage allowed, they're not doing very good on either side of the ball, but they're very opportunistic. They're ba- they're able to take care of the ball, which is not something uncommon for Aaron Rodgers' teams, and they're able to turn the ball over on defense, which is a huge part of today's game. And really, uh, their defense has been just absolutely depleted. When you're missing a guy that's like an all-pro like Jair Alexander, and you're missing a guy that's a top-level pass rusher like Zadarius Smith, and even to combine it with some of these secondary guys like Kevin King and uh, a couple of other guys around the um, around the ball there on defense, you don't really get good numbers. Uh, where the concern with me is, is on offense, they're still not putting up quite the yardage that they have in the past. But uh, mainly I think that can be contributed to some of this, these offensive line woes. You see Josh Myers ended up playing like three snaps on offense, then exited the game. And Elton Jenkins has missed on and off some games this year. And they don't even have David Bakhtiari back. So when you're having a revolving door on the offensive line, it's almost impressive that they've won this many games. So really I think if they can, if they can take care of the ball like they have been and get some of these guys back that haven't been – you know, playing for a majority of the year here, they could really be a force to be reckoned with. Because if you take a look at what they're doing with the guys they're doing it with, they got like two guys that weren't even on the team and like week two or three playing corner for them right now. So hopefully they can get healthy on the defensive side of the ball and start performing a little bit better because I think that's going to be key. But on offense, as long as they take care of the ball and you got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I think you're still going to be a contender. Rolling right on into our fourth place team in the NFC is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. So the Dallas Cowboys currently are five and one. They're winning the NFC East, and they're they're really in the driver's seat there with not a lot of teams even competing with them. But when we take a look at their numbers, they're the number one scoring and yardage offense in the NFL, which is 
I don't think really surprises anybody because they've been up there the last few years. But Dak Prescott coming off an injury has been absolutely lights out. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And I just actually had a conversation with someone the other day saying he's top six. Like he's top six. He's competing with Lamar for that sixth spot. Um, They're both dynamic playmakers in a different kind of play or different sense of the word. But they're both top-notch right now at, in the league. And really, I, I'm not surprised by anything Dak's doing. I've always thought that he was great. He was on an absolute tear before he got hurt last year. And really, he's just kind of he's he's kind of blowing through it again this year. But when we take a look at the defensive side of the ball, it's where more of their concerns are going to be. And I know there's a ton of hype around uh, Trayvon Diggs right now. But the overall numbers are not good. They're 23 in yardage, or excuse me, 23 in yards allowed and 19th in scoring. And for both sides of the ball, they're 13th in turnovers on offense, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. And they're second on defense. So we all know the Trayvon Diggs story. The guy has got seven interceptions through six games. I mean, like that's like record-setting pace. Like, what is he on pace for here? Like over 18, 19 interceptions. I mean, that would be absolutely ridiculous if he'd got that. But at, at this point, it's not even out of the question. But in my opinion, I'm kind of leaning toward the Cowboys being some some pretenders. And let me just lay it out here for you as to why. If you take a look, their only loss is to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football in the opening week. But when we take a look at some of their wins, they went against the Chargers, which seems to be a pretty quality win. The offense didn't show up. The defense looks great there. But then you beat... The Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers, the New York Giants, and then the New England Patriots in overtime. And really, when I'm taking, when I'm thinking a look here, the only quality win they have out of all five, in my opinion, is going to be the LA Chargers. Uh, the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, I know they're divisional opponents, but they're not going anywhere. These are teams that might win four or five games this year, and New England was a rookie quarterback they're going up against, and you still let them score thirty or excuse me twenty nine points and put push you into OT. And that's where it's going to lead to next year. Is if you're doing that against a rookie quarterback, what's going to happen with this defense when you get into a game with Aaron Rodgers or you get into a game with Sean McVay and the, the St. Louis Rams, or excuse me, St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams, and they're able to control the clock a little bit better and keep your defense on the field and keep the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands. Uh, your 13th in turnovers on offense, if you have one that one turnover that you're not really exactly planning for, now you're set back. So I'm going to lean more on the pretender side here. I think the Cowboys are going to be pretenders here moving forward. I think that defense is going to be exposed. They're fully healthy other than maybe a couple of small injuries. And they're still like uh, giving up just huge chunk yardage plays. Uh, they're, they're better than last year because they were on a record-settingly record bad pace. But they're, they're not quite to that status yet that's going to be able to really push them deep into the playoffs. So... My opinion, Cowboys are going to be pretenders. The last team that we're going to go into here with the NFC is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. And the Los Angeles Rams, in my opinion, are going to be falling under the contender status for a number of different reasons here. But uh, let's just go over their stats here quick. So they're going to be 6th in scoring offense and 8th in yardage, or excuse me, 8th in yardage, and then 13th in turnovers. So pretty pedestrian with the turnover number, uh, giving the ball away on offense. And when we flip the script on defense here, it's going to be ninth in scoring, uh, 21st in yardage, and 6th in takeaways. So pretty good in takeaways and scoring, the two most important parts of defense, not allowing points and taking the ball away from the other team. 
so the numbers wise they they're pretty much top 10 in every important category except turnovers on offense and when you take a look at their schedule and who they face they've actually faced some pretty noteworthy opponents here you're seeing them beat the the defending champs in the tampa bay buccaneers you're seeing them also uh, beat a division rival in the seattle seahawks that they've had trouble with in the past on top of it they have a couple of other wins against uh not necessarily quality opponents, New York Giants, Indianapolis Colts, Chicago Bears, and their lone loss on the year is to the Arizona Cardinals. So we already touched on our bona fide contenders. So in my opinion, I think it's pretty legit. Their excuse me, their opponents scoring and their their win margin is pretty great as well too. When you see how they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they beat them by ten. Then they beat the New York Giants this past week by twenty seven. And then they beat the the Seattle Seahawks by nine. It's it's pretty impressive. I know that they got they kind of got blown out by the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have been doing that to everybody this year. So it doesn't surprise me that that's what we're looking at here. And really, I think the driving force behind this is is they're so good on defense with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald paving the way there that they're going to be able to. I I don't want to say shut teams down, but they're able to like limit the bleeding. You know what I'm saying? It's it's been don't break, and they're really good at not breaking. And when you take a look at their offense, now that they have a, a different type of quarterback under center that's much more dynamic in the passing game, it makes that run game with Sean McVay look even better. And Daryl Henderson or Darrell Henderson, not sure which way he pronounces it. But he, he's looked like a capable replacement for Cam Akers, who going into the season was everybody's favorite breakout candidate. So I do think, and we've seen this offense under Jared Goff make it to the Super Bowl at least once already. We've seen this offense and this team beat the, the defending world champs this year already. I think that that definitely cements them in contender status, and they're definitely the biggest threat to the Cardinals in the West, in my opinion. Uh, Seattle's really fallen off, and the 49ers kind of look like a shell of themselves. So... Los Angeles Rams, definitely a contender in the NFC this year. Flipping over to the AFC, we see a much different story with uh, nobody being undefeated, but the Baltimore Ravens are currently leading the AFC. And honestly, the Baltimore Ravens are a huge surprise, in my opinion, this year, just due to the fact that they had all these extremely important injuries in the preseason. You know, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Marcus Peters all go down with season-ending injuries before pretty much the season even starts. And it's a true testament to their coaching and to the, the, the fortitude of these players to really just stick with it and really just finish above expectations here. So when we take a look at their team right now, on offense, they're seventh in scoring and fourth in yardage. And in terms of turnovers, they're 18th, which is pretty pedestrian. But once again, they're really scoring points at a pretty impressive click, excuse, clip. Excuse me. And everybody can point to the run game, which they're fourth in yardage and third third in TDs for rushing yards or excuse me rushing offense. But they're passing also. They're they're able to move the ball passing, and they're they got eleven. They're eleventh right currently in yardage for passing. It's only seventeenth in scoring. But we all know that once they get in that red zone area, it's gonna more of a rushing attack anyway with Lamar. Defensively, they're still seventh in scoring as well, eighteenth in yardage and nineteenth in turnovers. So. It's pretty impressive that they're able to be 5-1 five, five and one at this point just because those numbers, when you compare them to teams like that we just went over, like the Buccaneers and the Cardinals and the Rams, like all these other teams are like top 10, top 5 in all these categories. And really the only f- few points that the Ravens are leading in is 
points for and points against, which what wins football games when you score points and when you don't allow points. So those are going to be the important ones. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's not going to be sustainable. And I'm I'm going to name the Baltimore Ravens as pretenders here. I don't really think they're true contenders just because that defense is extremely limited with they can, what they can do on the back end with Marcus Peters out. I believe Jimmy Smith has missed significant time as well. And then also that their pass rush, they lost Matthew Judon. They didn't really replace him with anybody other than Odafe Owe, who's looked phenomenal as a rookie. But at the same time, he's still a first-year player. And really on offense, the passing game has been able to be modest at best, but they're still moving the, the ball solely on the run game. And I know nobody's figured out Lamar yet, and I know he's playing out of his mind, but there's only so much one player can do. In order to win a title, it it falls on the rest of the team as well. It's not just a quarterback-driven uh, outcome. So quarterbacks are an extremely important part, but you got to be able to sound in at least a couple other facets of the game here. So I'm going to name the Ravens as pretenders just mainly due to the fact that they're playing much higher above where we thought they'd be at this point. So moving on to the second team in the AFC here, it's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, led by rookie head coach Brandon Staley and second-year quarterback Justin Herbert. And the Chargers currently rank 11th in scoring offense, 12th in yardage, and 10th in turnovers. While on defense, they are also 21st in scoring, 19th in yardage, and 7th in turnovers. So a little bit uh, different story here where they're able to move the ball pretty well through the air. They're actually the the seventh-ranked passing attack when you take a look at yardage-wise. But it's to flip the script from the Ravens where they're not able to really run the ball all that well. And it's their 22nd in yardage, so uh, rushing offense. And really, I think that's just more of a testament to Eckler's ability to be a weapon in other assets of the game here. It's not that he's this true under center uh, eye back that's going to just pound the middle of the field. But you still got to be able to control the clock. You still got to be able to run it down when it matters uh, when you're winning football games. So it's it's important that they get improvement in that area there. I think it would really do them well if they had a, a good backfield mate for him because he's, he's absolutely dynamic in the passing game. He's absolutely dynamic outside zone, but he, I don't think he can shoulder the load uh, just due to injury alone as well as we've seen in the past. And then, honestly, I, I was more impressed with their defense earlier in the year. They've had a couple rough outings here, mainly against the Ravens. Uh, a couple weeks back and they're they're 21st in scoring which isn't that great it's actually below average obviously if there's 16 teams and they're seventh in creating turnovers which is top 10 in the league that's impressive that's what you need to do yeah, but the the reason I'm going to make these guys contenders is when you see them play the top-notch offenses like the Kansas City Chiefs they shut them down, and they had a plan, and they were able to execute. And it, it might just be because they get to see the Chiefs twice a year, so they they have more. Um, I'm trying to think of a word here. It's it's difficult, but they they get to see that offense more. So the more you see something, the easier it is to diagnose what the issue is and what you need to do to fix it. And they really were able to do that. And when you see that do that against such a dynamic offense, that's what was impressive to me. And really, I think that this this offense here is it, it's just getting off the ground. It's uh, Justin Herbert's really shown his ability as a passer to really push the ball down the field 
and and play with confidence. And honestly, he's been better than expected with turnovers, uh, even last year and floating over into this year. As you can see, they're top 10 on both sides of the ball, which is going to create a great turnover margin for them. And I know uh, most people are going to say, well, you just said that the team that beat them, the Ravens, are going to be pretenders, but you're going to make the Chargers contenders. Well, I, I'm, I'm a Packers fan at foremost here, so I know what it's like to have lay a stinker in the middle of the season each year. Uh, we see what the, the Packers did that one year against the 49ers. They see them do it again this year against the New Orleans Saints. So really, it each team has an off week, and the weeks that they're on are far more impressive than the weeks and they're off is which what I'm going to float this out there by for the Chargers. So really the Chargers in my mind with a dynamic offense and the defense that's going to be ascending under Brandon Staley is they're definitely going to be contenders in 2021. Moving right along into the next team and it's going to be the the darlings of the Monday night football game here. It's going to be the Tennessee Titans and the Tennessee Titans uh, honestly I haven't been all that impressed with them. Uh, prior to this week. And honestly, I was kind of thinking that they were going to definitely be chalked up for a loss last night. But they make a, a pretty impressive comeback. And when we take a look at their offense, their offense definitely is not the problem. They're a pretty dynamic offense. Eighth in scoring, 11th in yardage, and 18th in turnovers. So they're, they're losing the ball a little bit more than they'd like. And they're the number one rushing offense in the league as well. But when we take a look at their defense, this is this is the scariest part to me, is they're 24th in defense, both in yardage and scoring, and 26th in turnovers, which is just not good numbers when you look at it. You're in the bottom half, of, or by far the bottom half of the league here, and you're not able to stop teams when it counts. And that was really what it seemed like during the game last night when you're watching the Buffalo Bills. It just kind of seemed like they were getting whatever they wanted when they wanted it. And that's basically been the story for the Tennessee Titans this year, except maybe against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which are a whole other story. So this offense is good enough to control the clock and keep them in games, but I don't quite think that this defense is at the level yet where they're ready to win those games and make the stop when they need it. Because if you're going to control the clock and make it down into every possession counts, when the possession finally counts at the end, we need you to make the stop. And when you look at the back end, especially now with Caleb Farley getting diagnosed with an ACL tear, who's making that stop for you? Uh, early 30s, Janoris Jenkins. Uh, Harold Landry is, is, a good, is a good possibility. But his running mate, Bud Dupree, coming off an ACL this past year, I'm not sure. So I'm not buying into the Tennessee Titans. And I honestly believe that they're pretenders. Which leads us into our fourth team here. And this is honestly the one that... I was kind of hoping they hit off the bat, but since they lost on Monday, it dropped them down the rankings. But it's the Buffalo Bills. And the 2021 Buffalo Bills were my Super Bowl pick to go against the Green Bay Packers. So I'm still I'm still probably going to be buying into them here. But let me run you through this quick. They're the number one scoring defense in terms of points allowed and yardage in the league and tw- first in turnovers. So let me just get that repeat that once here. They're first across the board in all of the important defensive categories here which is absolutely remarkable considering they gave up 34 points last night to the Tennessee Titans, and they're still by a wide margin the best defense in the league. So I think that that is absolutely important here because when we get to the to the later in the year here, you're going to need defensive stops. You're going to be able to need to limit teams. And if you can't do that, I don't know how else you're going to be able to 
get stops in the playoffs. So the Buffalo Bills, number one across the board in defense. And I don't know if we've ever seen that before. I know it's only week seven, so I don't want to I don't want to overreact, but I'm just thoroughly impressed by it. But when we flip the script on the other side of the ball here, we're seeing the second scoring offense, six in yardage and third in turnovers allowed. So they're a top three team or top two team on both sides of the ball. They're scoring more points than anybody. They're allowing less points than anybody. And they're not allowing turnovers on offense, and they're creating a ton of turnovers on defense, which is going to make your turnover margin go through the roof. And you're not going to lose a lot of football games that way. You're going to be in every single game. And when we take a look at their two losses, they're losing by three points to the Titans and seven points to the Steelers, both one-possession football games. I, I, I have no words for this. Like it, They could very easily be 6-0, and oh, just like the Arizona Cardinals at this point. They're one possession away. But at the same time, they're not. They're not able to close these games out. But, and honestly, the long haul here, I'm not worried about it. Uh, Josh Allen's doing a phenomenal job of protecting the football and being a dynamic runner in, in addition to his passing ability. And we all know what he can do. He's got one of the strongest arms in the league. So on offense, as long as Brian Dable's calling the plays, sign me up. I'm, I'm attaching my bandwagon for the AFC to the Buffalo Bills. And defensively, I mean, they have, I believe it's it two shutouts on the year yeah two shutouts on the year that's unheard of in the nfl like you don't shut teams out these are grown men and the best of the best you don't shut these teams out and they've done it twice this year and the the changes they made to that defensive front in the offseason with the rookies and the guys they brought in have also made this defense a whole nother monster where they don't even have to bring additional rushers so sign me up. I'm buying the Buffalo Bills as contenders. Like I said, the two losses are one-score games. They could have definitely went the other way, but they didn't. So nonetheless, they're 4-2, and two, but I'm buying it on the Buffalo Bills. The last team we're going to discuss here is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And honestly, if we, you would have asked me if we were having this conversation week seven, I would have called you a liar just because I honestly thought Zach Taylor was going to be on his way out here, especially after about three or four losses with this team but when we take a look at them the Bengals have outperformed expectations with uh, wins over the Minnesota Vikings Detroit Lions Jacksonville Jaguars Pittsburgh Steelers division rival to lead them four and excuse me four and two and they also have an overtime loss to the Green Bay Packers which uh, could have definitely went either way if you were watching that game with how many missed kicks there were and then a loss to the Chicago Bears which isn't looking that great right now but nonetheless they sit fifth in the AFC at four and two and Joe Burrow looks like he's he's definitely coming back from this knee injury. He looks like he's got the moxie to lead this team. And stats-wise, the offense isn't even the, the best part of this team. They're 11th in scoring, 21st in yardage, and 18th in turnovers. So really, they're, it's not like they're running this absolutely dynamic, excuse, dynamic complex uh, air raid attack that's just raining home points on teams. They're able to hit the chunk yardage plays when they get them. And Joe Burrows really showed a great connection with Jamar Chase early. But it's really the defense that's been impressive here. They're fifth in scoring and eighth in yardage. And 19th in turnovers created. So basically, they're not giving up points and they're scoring when they need to. So they're just outside the top 10 in scoring offense. So it's not like they're scoring no points. But really, their calling card's been defense this far. They've been able to, to hold teams relatively well. And the additions of Chidobia Wuzier, Mike Hilton, and Trey Hendrickson have been huge for this defense. Uh, honestly, 
we need to see a little bit more progression from the offense, in my opinion, and really get the running running game involved a little bit more. I know I read a stat that Joe Mixon's like fourth in the league in rushing or something like that. But when you take a look at the team as a whole, they're 20th in yardage. They're, they're really just kind of slinging the ball around here as they're 18th in passing yardage, which gets you to about the 20th like they were. So I really need to see a little bit more from this running game because I feel like they're leaning too heavily on Joe Burrow, and I don't want to see this guy's this guy get hurt. And he's taken some serious shots here. They've really shown an inability to protect him, and maybe he can help himself out by getting a little bit more of the quick passing game rolling. But the coaching staff's got to be able to do something for him as well, too. you got to put a little protection around this guy. Maybe go 11 personnel and chip some tight ends in there or get a back in the backfield. Not so many empty sets to help with some slide protect. But really, the, the Bengals are still a huge surprise. Nobody expected them to be here. Nobody expected them to be 4-2 and two and competing for a division lead. Uh, I think a lot of people had Zach Taylor written off already, and they really wanted him out of town. But if if this keeps up and they make the playoffs, this is a guy that's going to keep his job. He's going to be around for a while. So in that sense, you might think I'm calling him a contender, but I'm not. I'm calling these guys pretenders. Uh, I'm not buying it. I think that the offensive line has been marginal at best. They're not the greatest offensive line. And like I was mentioning before, we got to be able to keep Joe Burrow upright. And it starts with them guys up front. I do think that the defense is possibly legit here with Jesse Bates and uh, Chidobia Wuzier. Oh, excuse me. I'm really struggling to get this out here. And then Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and them guys up front. It's 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 well-rounded. They have a lot of a lot of depth, a lot of good key pieces there. And I really think that they can keep it together here for the next few weeks. But the Bengals overall are going to be pretenders in my book. So that's going to be it for this week's episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, hopefully you like some of the content, the, the Contender and Pretender series. That's something that we want to revisit here in about five, six weeks when we have a little bit bigger of a picture before the guys hit the playoffs. So make sure you hit subscribe, rate, review for us. We always appreciate that stuff. And make sure you tune into our episode for next week. We'll have some more great stuff planned for you after week seven of the NFL. So appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see you next week.